Get your Bibles open to Mark chapter 16. We're going to bring our Mark series to a dramatic conclusion today, talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And I've simply titled this message, Believe, because that's really what the Lord wants us to do this morning. It's really our only work we can do is believe he is who he says he is and believe in the promises that God has given to us. And so open up your Bibles, Mark 16, we're going to start reading in verse 1 together. It says, Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome uh, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb And on the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and they saw that stone. Uh, It was a very large stone, the Bible says, and they saw that it had already been rolled aside. Now, I shared this on Friday night. We had a great night focusing on the cross on Friday and really just giving ourselves a fresh affection to Jesus. And I made the comment that it's amazing to me, especially when you look at the, the scenario surrounding Christ's crucifixion and his burial and his resurrection, you see that women in the Bible have an incredible amount of courage. Have you noticed some courageous ladies in the Bible? I know we got some courageous ladies here this morning. And uh, I've known this about courage. You know, we all, we all want to be around people who know what they believe and stand for what they believe and fearlessly proclaim what they believe. But I've known this about courage. When you, when you back away from it and you kind of look at courage, it's really not courage that we see. Courage is the fruit of something deeper. And what's deeper is a passionate heart of love. People who are extravagant lovers act courageously. In other words, they don't really think about it. And I want want to ask you all this question. If you just watched Jesus being brutally beaten, tortured, nailed to a cross, beaten beyond recognition, and you stood there as these ladies did at the foot of the cross until he gave, Jesus gave his last breath, Would you have second thoughts about going and finding the tomb where they buried him and showing up and wanting to figure out if you could get in and anoint his body? I mean, this is like guilty by association. You're not going to want to be near Jesus because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if they just did that to the Messiah, what could they do to his followers? So these ladies, though, are not thinking about that because love does not think about being courageous. Love just acts, all right? It's a powerful thing about love. In fact, the Bible tells us, this is, this is one of the other gospel writers, in uh, John's gospel, chapter 20, verse 19, if you ask, well, where were the guys? Let me tell you where the guys were. They were hiding. <laughs> and we can't be too hard on them because we would probably be hiding too. We just watched what happened to Jesus as well. And how I many you know, no, no one's looking to be murdered. No one's looking to be tortured. No one's looking to be nailed to a cross. That's not something we put on our to-do list. So we're going to stay away. But here's the point I'm trying to make. If you move in extravagant love for Christ, it will cause you to do courageous, bold things. It will cause you to move in faith. How many of you have seen these little mama bears when, when their baby's uh, being threatened in some way? I've seen these videos where the lady jumps in the alligator-infested water and grabs the alligator by the head and pulls the mouth open to pull her child out or to pull a puppy out or pull something, anything that she loves. In other words, how many of you know a mama who's full of love will do anything? And she doesn't have to pause 
and say, you know, should I be doing this behavior? How many you know if you love your country, uh, then you go out and you're brave in battle, but you don't, you don't step out to say, I'm going to demonstrate my courage. What you're demonstrating is your love for what you believe in and your love for what matters. And then what happens is your activity looks very courageous. So I just want to say this. I really believe the Lord is looking for people today who will be full of love for Christ. And when you're full of love for Christ, you don't think about how hard things are. You don't think about what the challenges are. In fact, check this out. These ladies on their way to find Christ realize there's a giant stone that's been rolled over the grave. In fact, it probably weighed a ton or more. These ladies, they might have been courageous, but they're not that buff. They're not going to roll the stone away. And some of the other gospel writers tell us not only was the stone there, but it was sealed, and there was a whole uh, group of soldiers protecting the, protecting the entrance to the, uh, to the tomb. They wanted to make sure no one's touching the body. On their way there, they have this thought, hmm, who's going to roll that stone away for us? And I want to encourage you again. When you get a vision from the Lord, and I believe I'm speaking prophetically to some of you here today, when you get a dream from God, how many of you have things that make you angry in a good way, like righteous anger and things that fill you with incredible joy and passion, and those are the things that make us alive, all right? That, that, if, you, if you know what you hate and you know what you love, you'll have a clearer indication about who you are and what God's called you to do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So, so if you get in touch with a dream God's put in your heart, there are a million reasons why if you pause too long, you'll get talked out of the dream. You'll come up with a thousand reasons why. I, I, I can't do this. There's why. Well, what about the stone? Who's going to roll the stone? What, you know, in other words, you won't even start what God's called you to do. But when you're in love with Jesus, you don't let those things paralyze you. You just pursue the Lord, and you just pursue what he's called you to do, and you just go after God. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I, I'm wanting to stimulate your faith because lovers of Jesus do bold things. Lovers of Jesus believe big dreams. Lovers of Jesus, ready for this, see the miraculous happen because they don't, they don't act like normal people. They don't go, well, let's just save ourselves the trip. How are we going to roll the stone away? They don't think that way. They just pursue the Lord, and in the process of pursuing, when they get there, they find out God's already taken care of the problem. Any great thing that you do in your life is going to require faith. It's going to require courage. And you'll have neither if you're not full of love with passion for Jesus. So can I just pray that every one of us gets more and more wrecked with love for Jesus? You know, Friday night, we got wrecked because we were pouring our affection out on the Lord just like Mary did. We, we, were, we were willing to say, I want to waste my life at the feet of Jesus, knowing that it's not a waste at all. It's the greatest strategic investment of our lives. But if you'll move with a passion for God in your heart, you'll see the glory of God on your life. And you'll do bold, crazy, courageous things because it's driven out of your love for the Lord. And that's what we want to go after. Take a look at what happened. So they're on their way. Who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance? When they get there in verse 5, look what happens. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. Who is this young man? Well, the women were shocked. Verse 6. But the angel said, so the young man is the angel, and he begins speaking. Now, there are people who have this mistaken view that when we get our glorified bodies and we spend uh, eternity on a glorified planet Earth with Jesus, that there's not going to be any gender, all right? But I want you to know, everywhere in the Bible, when you find an angel, it's not a genderless angel. This, this, look what it says there. Who, who's this angel identified as? A young man. So I just want to tell you, when you're looking for me, and the renewed heaven and earth, 
I'm going to be manly, all right? I'm just telling you. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to look masculine. The only difference is I'm going to have really long, awesome, flowing hair, all right? I keep, I'm going to look like Matt McKaig on steroids is what I'm going to look like. And you're going to go, Pastor Ron, is that you? Um, I mean, you know, Gabriel is not gender-free. Michael, you all hear me. So we continue to be men or women. We just get supersized. This is a good deal. You're just going to go, whoa. I, like, I, I'm not going to be like, hey, Dom, is that you? No, I'm going to, Dominic, it's you. I, we're going to, the, the continuation of our relationships goes on. It just gets supersized. It's without all sin and all the craziness and yeah, the wrinkles and the cream we got to put on our face and stuff like that. We don't have to do that. All right, so take a look. Don't be alarmed, the angel says. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Here's the good news, guys. He isn't here. He is risen. The, uh, he, he's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now, I just got to highlight this. There are liberal denominations who take all the supernatural out of the Bible, which leaves you with nothing, and, uh, and they, the, they, they make the resurrection mystical. They make it uh, ethereal, like it just stands for the love of Jesus for all humanity and stuff like this. Nonsense. This is what you need to hear. There was a real man named Jesus Christ who was really beaten and really nailed to a cross and really buried in a tomb, and a real tomb with a big stone was sealed, and there's a Roman detachment of soldiers out there guarding it, and that stone was rolled away, and those soldiers fell down, knocked out in the power of God by the presence of, of something greater than themselves, and when they come inside a physical tomb, there's a real angel in the tomb that says, you're looking for Jesus. He was right here on this space right here. He's gone. This is not mystical. This is historical. You need to know that. This is historical. And I want you to know the stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out, but to let the witnesses in. Jesus could walk right through the stone in his glorified body. The stones rolled away so that people could see. And I want you to see something. The ladies, the last, last people at the cross were women. Why were they there? Love extravagant affection. Here's what I'm praying for all the guys. And if you're in agreement, well, I'm not even going to ask you if you're in agreement. I'm just going to pray over you anyway. I'm praying that biblical masculinity abounds in this place and that there are men who aren't afraid to be radical lovers of Jesus, full of compassion, broken, tender, tearful, lovers of God and lovers of other people. The ladies are leading the way and they're standing at the feet of Jesus, not ashamed to identify with him. And I want you to notice this. They watched him give his last breath. And now who are the same people at the tomb? Eyewitnesses. They know what happened to Jesus. And now they go to the tomb, and it's empty. How many of you know this is incredible evidence? This is not just, well, we don't really know what happened to him, but we're, you know, no, no, no. This is evidence. This is like stuff you would present in a courtroom. But Paul highlighted something about the resurrection of Jesus, and I want to pause here for just a moment because I want you to understand this moment. This moment changes everything. If, if Christ is still dead, Paul said, we're in a heap of trouble. For one, he said, all of our preaching is totally 
vain. Now, I'm just going to be real with you. If Jesus is dead, you guys on this wonderful Sunday morning are wasting your time. I am, I am just spouting out fairy tales that have no meaning. We could be doing better things with our life. How many you know it's a great day to play golf today? The sun's shining. Come on, guys, we could have our golf clubs out. We could be washing our dogs. We could, I mean, there's incredible things we could be doing if this is, if Jesus is dead. I mean, if Jesus is dead, anything else besides this is a better option. Paul said, if Jesus is dead, your faith is in vain. In other words, this is a fairy tale religion. We're just a bunch of weak-minded Christians believing a bunch of gobbledygook uh, because we're afraid to die. That's at, at the end of the day, that's, that's what's said about us. We're just afraid to die. Our faith is in vain. Paul said if Jesus is dead, then we're dead because we're dead in our sins and we're slaves to sin. How many of you ever remembered the, the days, your B.C. days? Some of you might be in your B.C. days. Today will be the end of that, I pray. Um, but remember how great it was living for the devil. Remember all the hangovers, the headaches, the puking. Remember all the torment. Remember the sickness. Remember the brokenness. Remember the heaviness. Remember the anger. We prayed for a nine-year-old boy here yesterday. His family was brand new to the church. This is why... This is why what we're doing right now is the greatest privilege and why I'm just praying more, Lord, more, Lord, more, Lord, because they bring up a nine-year-old little boy, and I said, how can I pray for you guys? What do you need? Um, well, he, he gets overcome with fits of rage and anger, and he's uh, depressed and suicidal. So I just got right down in that little nine-year-old's face. I said, um, do you want to be free? And he said, yes. I said, do you want the anger out of your life? He said, yes. I said, do you want the cloud of depression over your life to leave? Yes. How I many you know we just got in alignment with resurrection power? And I, I, I said, let's renounce these things and just let him in a simple prayer. And then we prayed. And God touched that little boy. And I said, how do you feel? He said, pretty good. <laughs> That, for a nine-year-old, that means I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. Pretty good. If Jesus is dead, we're dead. If Jesus is dead, we have no hope of freedom. We have no hope of deliverance. We have no hope of clear conscience, clear, cleared from guilt, cleared from shame. We're, we're in big, big trouble. How about this one? What about those who have already perished? You know, I was talking to my dear friend here. Kevin on Friday night, we were right here hugging and talking about Jesus and the difference that Jesus makes. Do you know that the loved ones in our life who have died and preceded us, um, if Jesus is dead, they're dead. If Jesus is dead, you're just waiting to die. There's no hope after the grave. There's no hope of, of seeing people that you love. Do you know secularism offers you nothing? Atheism offers you nothing. It's a depressing, empty, God-forsaken worldview. But we talked about the hope that Jesus brings. Kevin talked about seeing his son. Talked about seeing his dad. We teared up together. I thought about seeing my dad. And you know, when I thought about all the funerals I've ever done and all the hope that people had that was not buried in a grave and gone, but the day is coming 
because Jesus is alive. That we're going to be reunited with a lot of people. <laughs> Why rejoice about that? And I added a few names. I added a few names to the list. Like, how about hanging out with Moses? What about Joshua? What about Peter? Let's talk to Peter for a while and get into his world. I mean, you know, we're going to spend an eternity together with all those who have gone before us and with all, everybody in this room that has bowed their knee to Jesus Christ. This is incredible good news because here's the good news of the resurrection. It's not just now. It's the long tomorrow that we're enjoying together. But if Jesus is dead, none of that. And in fact, Paul said this, if Christ is dead, Christians are to be the most pitied because we are insane people. We are full of fairy tale, make-believe stuff. But here's what he said. If the opposite is also true, how many know if Jesus is alive, my sins and your sins can be absolutely washed away. And the guilt and the shame that goes along with my sin washed away. It is such a beautiful thing to know that my long rap sheet, and how many of you know your rap sheet's not just all the uh, dirty deeds done dirt cheap, as the song says, right? Um, but it's all the things you didn't do. It's all, it's all the imperfect love for God that you didn't exercise properly. It's your love for your neighbor that you didn't do right. It's the selfishness. It's all the things we're not even aware of because we're so selfish already. All of that washed clean at the cross. All of that Jesus takes upon himself. And what about the judgment? This is beautiful. Do you know you'll never be in God's courtroom ever again because of Jesus? Can you imagine what it's going to be like the person who rejects Christ all their lives, and suddenly they're taken away, and they're going to stand before God on the great day of judgment, and they're representing themselves. Because that's, the, that's what happens when you deny Christ. You represent yourself in God's courtroom. And God knows your rap sheet, and the devil does too, and he says, look at this. And you stand before God, and you receive his verdict. What, what a dreadful, awful day for people who don't know Christ. Do you know that Christ already appeared for you and me in court? And the devil said, look at the sin, look at the sin. And Jesus said, yep, I paid for it all. Ron Johnson's sin. I'm representing Ron Johnson in court today. I paid for his whole bill. Yep, he did all those terrible things, but I took his place. I died in his place. I paid it all. It's fully paid for, done, all right? And the judge goes, case dismissed, out of here. So, so check this out. So here's what I want to tell all of you. Quit trying to be a good person. We all do a bad job at it. Don't stand before the king, the great judge of all the earth, and represent yourself. It, you will not like the verdict at all. Judgment is coming. Justice is coming. Here's, here's the trade-off because Jesus is alive. We're going to stand before Christ and he's going to give out reward, not punishment. He's going to give out reward. This is going to be awesome. You're not going to be hanging your head in shame. You're going to be holding your head high because this is an incredible opportunity. What it says is your life matters. Your life matters. You know why so many young people are experiencing depression, mental health, all this crazy stuff going on? Because life without Jesus is meaningless. And life without healthy relationships is lonely. We need Christ. We need the body of Christ uh, 
just to stay sane in this crazy, dark, broken world. I mean, you know, we're accepted now because of Christ. We're, we have a rock-solid faith that is, that is sure. We can count on Jesus. He is faithful. He is a faithful friend at all times. And I love this. What we preach is true. Can I just say this? Some of you that are senior saints in here, you grew up in modernism where we at least used to argue about what was true. We're now in a postmodern culture where truth isn't even believed in anymore. And so when you go off to college, you don't, you're not pursuing truth. You're just getting a degree so you can get a job. Uh, it's your truth, my truth, this group's truth, that group's truth, this ethnic group's truth, this ethnic group's truth. And we have truth with a little t. But how many of you know Jesus forever changed that? And this is really important. Jesus now says this, there is truth, and I am truth. I, I am the standard. What I say is the only opinion that counts. And I just want to say to young people here, when you fall in love with that man, Jesus Christ, and he consumes your life, your life is so filled with purpose and mission and direction. You find yourself living on a mission that matters. Your life is infused with God's purpose. You're not wondering, you're not trying to find yourself. You don't have a problem saying, you know what, that's wrong, or you know what, that's evil, because it's not your opinion, it's God's opinion on what's right and wrong. You're not living in all this crazy moral confusion where you don't even know who you are, or you don't even know what a woman is, or you don't even know what a man is. That's all the nonsense of the devil. Jesus defines it all. He declares, I am the truth, and that's why we build our life on him. Settle! Settle! And so I just want to say this. Well, Pastor Ron, you need to be tolerant of other people of other religions. No, I'm tolerant of people. I love people because Jesus loves people. But we are not tolerant of stupidity and falsehood and wickedness and lies. The resurrection establishes the truth, and the truth is found in Jesus. Our job is to declare it and believe it. That's what I'm challenging you today. We're living in a world that's, that's going to hell in a handbasket. It's time for the church to say, thus saith the Lord. This is the truth on this matter. I just watched the horrific stuff with these teenagers shooting one another and crazy stuff down in Florida. And I don't know if you saw, but the chief uh, officer over that case, he actually spoke the truth. He said, where are parents nowadays? Where are values nowadays? Where is Christ in people's lives nowadays? Let's stop blaming inanimate objects for murdering people. It's people who murder people. It's wicked people who murder people. This is the truth. He said, we need to get back to the values that made this nation great. Thank God for a prophetic police officer. But how many of you know every one of us are called to stand for the truth now because of Jesus Christ? The truth has been established. We preach what is true. And I love this. Death has been defeated. You know, when my father passed a few years ago, my dad was my hero and my role model. And a lot of people at funerals, I, I, I talk to you all. Hey, would you share something about the deceased, right? Because it makes it more personal. And guess what most people will tell me? Pastor, I don't really know if I can do that. Why? Because your heart is full of emotion, as it should be. But I want to encourage all of you, please talk at the funerals of people that you love. Even if you're up there like I am most Sundays, snotting all over the place and making a mess out of yourself, do it. Amen. Do it. Because you're honoring and you're, 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 you're establishing a tribute, you're remembering it, and that matters. So I thought, you know what? 
Should I pass the baton and have somebody else do my dad's funeral, or should I just do my dad's funeral as his son? You know why I wanted to do my dad's funeral? Because I wanted to stand there at life's darkest moment when the person who I love is no longer here, and I wanted to declare with my mouth before my dad's body, his, his spirit was with the Lord, but before his body, I wanted to declare the truth that he loved, for God, loved God, lived for Jesus Christ, showed others the way, lived a righteous life, that this body was going to be resurrected in a glorified body that I as sure as the nose on my face I would see him again and I'm going to enjoy eternity with him that his life mattered that his life was on purpose that his life impacted millions of people and I want my life to impact millions of people how about you and I wanted to preach that at the darkest moment and I wanted to preach to myself because if you can stand there in the face of death and know that Jesus conquered death you can face anything in this side of eternity and win and absolutely win. So I want to tell you all, live with a confidence of where you're going. If, if I asked you the question today, where are you going to spend eternity? And if you are not absolutely established in that truth, you need to get there. And you need to get there today. Pastor Ron, what, what, are you sure? What's going to happen when you die? I'm going to be ushered into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to be celebrated for a life well lived by the grace of God. And I'm going to spend eternity hanging out with the Lord, doing amazing things, not playing a harp. Thank God, because I don't know how to play a harp. I'm not going to be floating on cotton candy clouds. I'm not going to be doing any of that. I'm going to be my best version of me forever. That's what's going to happen. I can't wait for that day. I've already seen it in Technicolor. I know what the Bible says. It's going to be more awesome than the best day ever on planet earth. So when you're at my funeral, don't cry tears of sadness. You be excited because I am, and I am reaping the fruit of what Jesus did on this resurrection Sunday. I'm enjoying it. Now, let me share with you a nugget, all right? This is so good. Don't you love the nuggets in the Bible? This is only found in Mark's gospel. The other gospel writers share different things that matter to them, but, but this is in Mark's gospel. Look at verse 7. Mark says, or the angel says, go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there just as he told you before he died. Now... I want you to picture this. Jesus just gets resurrected from the grave. He's standing perhaps inside the tomb with his glorified body. I believe he walks over to the angel, puts his arm around the angel. This is just Pastor Ron's version. He turns to the angel, and he gives him instructions. If you are the freshly resurrected, glorified body, King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of God, what's on your mind? Like, what are you going to share? with the angel. Are you ready for this? This shows you the beauty of Jesus. You know what Jesus says? Hey, go tell the boys I'm going to meet them in Galilee. And get Peter. Make sure Peter is there. Now, there are people here today, you have had good starts with God and then bad finishes. And then repent, and you get a good start, and then a bad finish. And after a while, you just feel like, you know what? I'm a loser. Have anybody ever felt like a Christian loser before in the room? Yeah, just, I mean, most people have. And I mean, you know, the devil just likes to agree with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You are. Yep, you are. And then he not only agrees with our legitimate guilt, but then he piles the shame on. There's no hope for you. 
I prayed with a dear lady at the altar on Friday night. She, she was crying. She said, Pastor, do you think God's upset with me because I feel like I've disappointed him? And then she said, do you think God ever gets tired of me? I said, let me ask you some questions. Do you think that the God who gave his only begotten son to die for you so that he could save you and so that he could enjoy you forever, do you think he's planning on getting tired of you or do you think he's just getting started and he's really, really excited about what's ahead? <laughs> do you think God's disappointed in me? Well, I think God sent his son because he knew we'd be disappointed with our behavior, but Jesus' behavior was perfect. And so I think when he looks at you, he actually is looking at his son and seeing what Jesus did for you, and, and he's actually really, really proud of you and excited about you. And he's really committed about your future. Let me ask you this question. Did the disciples finish strong up to the cross? <laughs> Remember, they had all the bravado, Peter leading the way. Jesus, I don't know about these losers, these guys, your other disciples, but I would die for you. And then they're all like, yeah, us too. Where are they now? They're hiding. It's just the women that are hanging out. All the guys are hiding. How I many you know shame and guilt? How about Peter? Think Peter's having a good day? No, Peter said, forget this. Forget this Christianity stuff. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to where I know what to do. I know how to fish. I know how to catch fish. Remember that? And then we always get hard on Peter, but remember that Peter was the leader of the bunch. The disciples all followed him. Yeah, we're going fishing too because we feel like losers too. And so what does Jesus say, fresh out of the grave, resurrected body? He says, oh, make sure Peter shows up to this party. Jesus is awesome. Jesus isn't focusing on the world, although he died for the world. You know who he's focusing on? The guys that let him down. Because he wants to take the guilt and shame off of their life. And he wants, can I just say to anybody in this room today, you feel like you're a bad Christian. Which is kind of funny because we're all bad Christians. There's only one good Christian. Jesus is the only one. We're all just following him. But some of you feel like failures. I want you to put your name in place of Peter's name. When Jesus said, hey, get the guys together and make sure Ron is there. My man in the hat back there nodding with me. This is a good word for you this Sunday. Peter, it's a good word for you, man. The call, the heart, all that kind of stuff. Not that you haven't been there. But I'm, you know, I'm, we're tracking you with me. But it's for all of us. On your worst moment of failing, of falling on your face, the Lord's saying, make sure you come to the party. Because <laughs> he's not going to condemn you. He wants to restore you. Remember, the purpose of the cross was to take your punishment, not to dish it out. And so God's heart is not to punish you in your shame and guilt. It's to cleanse you and to take that wet blanket of guilt and shame off of your life. And it's amazing to me that the risen king of glory is thinking in particular about one man who deeply failed him. So that he could open his arms wide and say, come here. Can we be a church, Living Stones? Can we be a church that's a church like this? Not a church like this. 
Can we tell people, hey, we're throwing a party. And Jesus says, particularly, make sure you're there. (laughs) He calls you by name because he wants you to be a part of the party. What a savior. Make sure Peter shows up. Are you kidding me? Look at verse 9. In spite of all, the empty tomb, the angel, the stone rolled away, all we see is unbelief. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping, and I might add hiding, and told them what had happened. But when she told them, Jesus is alive, I've seen him, the disciples wouldn't believe her. Now, let me ask you this question. I'm highlighting some amazing truths here this morning. If, you ha- if you're Jesus and you're making your list of people you want to meet after you rise from the dead, like who would be on the top of your list? How about mom? My dear mother. The mother of all mothers on the front. Mom, I want you to know, if I, if I rose from the dead, I'd probably put you number one. Mama, it's your boy. <laughs> did, did Jesus put his mom at the top of the list? Nope. How about the 12? Well, the 11 now. Judas already went anyway. How about the 11? Nope, they were hiding. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have showed up anyway. They were afraid. Who gets to see Jesus First. A woman with a history, a woman with a past. If you know anything about demonic oppression in a person's life, this woman has seven demons residing inside of her. There's open doors. There's ways that they have legal authority to come into our life. Sometimes we don't know about her past. Maybe it was an abusive past. Maybe she was mistreated. Uh, We don't know. Uh, Maybe it was her own sin. Usually it's a combination of both. But how many of you know that there's trauma that has probably happened in her life, undoubtedly, and she was tormented by the demonic? The Bible says this, those who have been freed, forgiven of much, love much. So who's the last woman when Jesus is in his agony on the cross? Who's the last woman there uh, at, at his feet, worshiping, loving, pouring her heart out on Jesus? It's, it's Mary Magdalene. And who is the first person that gets to see Jesus? Early on resurrection morning, a woman who was incredibly broken and demonized. What does this say about the heart of Jesus? Can I invite you, church, with me? In addition to being a church with our arms wide open with everybody's name on the invitation list, can we be a church that welcomes in people that are incredibly far from God, broken, oppressed, addicted, lost, depressed, mentally tormented. Can we be a church that invites those people in? Because when they get rocked by Jesus, they're going to be some of the most fruitful people on the planet. And I'm looking out at at some smiling faces out here. This church is full of people. Not the perfect Christian you know, you're looking out. Hey, you guys like my sport coat today? Yeah, yeah. It's Easter. All right. Don't get used to it. I'm not bringing it out next Sunday. <laughs> but Easter, man, Easter is when we put our best clothes on usually. We, our best foot forward. We smile good. We 
Praise the Lord good. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Whether we're alive or dead on the inside, we go through the motions. But that's like makes a mockery out of the whole thing. This day means there's hope for the person who's farthest from God and most broken. And can I just tell you something? Those are the people I like to hang out with most. I like people like you guys and people like others in this room that have come from really hurtful, broken places of weakness and pain. You know, people who have spent time in the enemy's camp know how real the demonic is. They've, they have felt his presence. Their minds have been tormented. They know what it's like to be tormented by fear. They, want, they know what it's like to be tormented by depression. They know what it's like to have anger rage up inside of them. They understand what bondage is like. And how many of you know it's no fun? It's a foretaste of hell. I'm just glad we get to be a church that believes in resurrection power. A church, and I tell you, you can't even be a member here until you admit that you're messed up. You can't, we don't even want you. If you're perfect, find a, find a different church. We only want jacked up people at this church. <laughs> you know what? They're the most fun to hang out with. Because they realized they got invited to the club by grace, not merit. Wasn't that they were superstars? They just got invited because somebody invited them. And, and here's what they're excited to be a part of the ride. I love, I love Jesus. You know, because I know stories as a pastor, like this is not a job for me. This is so fun. This, it is so fun to look out. I, I know people. That's why I like to get here early. I like to hug as many of you as I can out of the sincerity of my heart because you ready for this? I really love sheep. I love the stories. I love hearing what God's doing. Sully, I love what God's doing in your life as a young man. I love it. It makes me cry like I'm crying right now. I'm so excited for your life. I'm excited for all you guys. We had such a move of young people Friday night giving their life to the Lord. I love it. I love it. Oh. This is the greatest, greatest thing we could ever do with our lives. It's not about what you do from nine to five. It's about the people that God allows you to touch. It's about the resurrection in people's lives. It's so awesome. Jesus is so awesome. Can we, we just, I love what Ivan says. Let's take a praise break. Can we just take a praise break? Can you just thank the Lord? Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Ah, oh, we love you. We love you, Lord. Wow. You guys want to do this next Sunday, too? This is awesome. Verse 12, afterward, I'm winding down here. He appeared in a different form, and two, two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country, and they rushed back to tell the others. But listen again. Here's the second time. No one believed him. 
Verse 14, still later, he appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating, and he rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had, been, had seen him after he'd been raised from the dead. And look down at verse 15, and he told them, I want you to notice three different times he, he rebukes them for their unbelief, and instead of coddling them, he commissions them. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Can I challenge you guys this morning? Can we just believe the words from Jesus himself? If you believe, you'll be saved. If you don't, you will absolutely stand in judgment before God, and the verdict will be condemnation. That's the truth from Jesus' mouth. And, and who was it for? It was for everyone. Everyone, the message goes out. Everyone, everyone in this room. I'm challenging you today, believe the gospel. Believe that the resurrection is true. Believe that there's consequences to the resurrection. Believe that people's lives are hanging in the balance and our proclaiming of the gospel matters to people. It really does. Proclaim it boldly. Proclaim it like you believe it. Proclaim it with hope. Proclaim it with joy. But tell people the truth about Jesus. Those who believe will be saved. Those who don't believe will be condemned. Don't bring the judgment of God upon you when God has given his best to draw you to himself. All that it takes is repent, turn to the Lord, recognize your need, and embrace God's gracious gift to you in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, believe, 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 believe. I'm going to close with this. Look at verse 19. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Where is Jesus right now? Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. He's been given all authority and all power. Who is in charge of human history right now? Jesus is. All authority, all power, King of kings and Lord of lords. He's seated because his work of atonement was done, and he's waiting for the Father to give him the nod to come back and get his bride. That's us. Look at what it says. And the disciples went everywhere. And the living stoners went everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. What did they do? They preached. What did they preach? Good news. You know, somebody said, Pastor, thanks for this message this morning. It was so good. I said, how can you screw up the resurrection? It preaches itself. It's the good news. Open your mouth. Just tell it. It's awesome. You can't screw it up. Disciples went everywhere and preached. Listen to this. The Lord worked through them. Everybody say, through me. Amen. Confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Now, I want you guys to get this. This is not about Christian superstars, stage people, prayer lines where everybody lines up for the anointed man of God to pray for them. Here's the good news. We all get to play. That makes me excited too. Your life does not even start to kick into gear until you've allowed the resurrected Christ and the power of the gospel to flow through you to touch somebody else. Do you know, it doesn't matter your age. When you, I've watched little kids pray over people because the same resurrected power of the Holy Spirit is in the child that knows Christ. Do you know demons are afraid of little kids who have Jesus' name on their lips? 
Here's what I want for our church. If we'll believe in the resurrected Lord and we'll move in the resurrected message of good news and we'll proclaim it and pray for people. I want you to know something. Whenever you come up and you want prayer for, for healing, I cannot heal you. If you are oppressed, I don't have authority over demons. If you are lost, I don't have the power to change your heart. But when I speak in Jesus' name, he backs up his message, which takes the pressure off of any one of us because the resurrected Christ can handle the pressure. He, he defeated all of our enemies. So he just wants us to pray for you and believe. What does he want for you? Believe. Could you believe a guy that prophesied his own death, beaten beyond recognition, buried, and then three days later, not only did he resurrect, but there was such power released that other dead people came out of their graves. Like, Uncle Fred, what are you doing? You died a decade ago. <laughs> Uncle Fred's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Something <laughs> happened. So the Bible said that there was such power released from Jesus that other people rose from the dead only to die again. But Jesus rose never to die ever again. So I'm asking you this question. Could we believe that the power in him is the power to deal with any problem anybody in this room right now could possibly be facing? And the Christian life is really just following Jesus, speaking for Jesus, touching people in Jesus' name, Praying people in Jesus for Jesus, praying for people in Jesus' name, and then watching what Jesus does, and then being the cheerleader. That's what we do on Resurrection Sunday. We just cheer Jesus on. It's all about Him. I want my beautiful daughter to come up here, and I I want us to close the service this morning with a response. Y'all cool with responding to Jesus? Anybody feel like you just want to pour your heart out on him, pour your affection out on him just for a moment, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I want you to stand to your feet, if you would. And I'd like our pastors and our elders and, and our life group leaders that are here to join me across the front of the stage. Before we sing, I'm just giving an invitation I know that people have come here with heavy hearts. There's some folks that maybe have never asked Jesus to be their personal Lord and Savior. Today is a great day to do that. There might be people that feel far from God, like Peter. You feel like you're a failure. And the Lord says, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope. I got a special invite for you. You know what? There's a party happening up here. Somebody wants to pray with you. And said, so today is a day of restoration and healing and forgiveness. It's a party day. It's a day to know that you belong that God loves you, that he'll never leave you or forsake you. It's a, it's a day to, to remember that what we live for matters, and it's true. It's awesome. And so as we're singing, I just, the reason I have everybody stand is certainly to honor the Lord, but I want to make room. I want you just to say, excuse me, and make your way right out of the aisle, and I want you to come. If you're one of these people like Mary Magdalene, you feel like my life's too far gone, my life's too broken, my life's too messed up, the good news is, Jesus loves people just like you, and he, he sets them free. And you can be first in line to see him. That's how special you are and how much he loves you. So let's worship, and as we do, again, I encourage you, don't leave here today if you come in burdened. Let the Lord touch you. That's the purpose of the resurrection, to release the power and the presence of God among his people. So let's worship him. Alicia.
have my heart. I pour my love on you. Lavish mine on you. I pour my love all upon your feet. Wine for you to drink. Water from my heart. I pour my love on you. drop is gone I'll pour my love all upon your feet like wine for you to drink water from my heart I pour my love on you Go, I pour my love on you. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I just pray as we leave here today, Lord, I ask your blessing upon your people. Jesus, wreck us with your affection. Break our hearts, Lord, with your great love for us. Lord, help us to recognize how much we've been forgiven so that we love much. Lord, I just pray that the the fire of our hearts would burn. I pray, Lord, that the reviving and the awakening that you're wanting to bring to your church, Lord, that God, start with us. Let this be like a river of fiery affection that comes out of our hearts. Father, I pray for every person in this room, no matter what they're going through, Lord, encounter them. Show your love to them. Touch them. God, we break shame off. We break guilt off. We break all the, 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 the weapons of the enemy against us. We declare Jesus Christ is the king. Jesus Christ is the victor. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus Christ rules and reigns. Jesus Christ is the king of glory. And Lord, we live to see you magnified. Magnified. We live to see your name made famous in all the nations of the world. Father, magnify your son. Magnify the greatness of what Jesus did for us on this amazing weekend that we celebrate it, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the power of your resurrection. And thank you for the privilege, Lord, of being able to pursue you and to minister your, in your mighty name. Set the captives free, Lord. Heal the sick. Open up blind eyes. Lord, touch people that are far from you. Lord, we call people from the north and the south and the east and the west. God, bring lost people home. Lord, continue to make a name for your church in northwest Indiana and in Indiana and the United States and the nations of the world. Lord, may your fame spread far and wide. Father, consume us. Let us be like the oil upon your feet, the wine that's poured out, Lord, the lavish expression of perfume like Mary poured over you, Lord. Father, we want to give our lives fully and completely to you. So take us today. Picture yourself as a sacrifice today. Give your life to the Lord. Give your heart to the Lord. Give your dreams to the Lord. Give your future to the Lord. Give him everything today. He is worthy. We pray this all in your mighty name, Lord. And all God's church said, 
Amen. Come on, let's give him one more shout of praise.